If you have your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn to um, um, the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. And this Sunday, we're going to be continuing um, the series um, based on the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to be reading from chapter 6. We're going to be reading 5 to 13. And we're going to be focusing on verse 10. Verse 10. Um, And so join me as we read together God's Word. Matthew chapter 6 from verses 5 to 13 reads... And when you pray, this is Jesus speaking, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may, they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Oh, I love that. I love that. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray before we dive into our study this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and thank you for your truth. I love what's happening here. Um, I've been an observer um, for many years now, and it's a joy for me and my family to always come here. And I have experienced firsthand and witnessed you work powerfully in and through this church. And so as um, they seek to um, become more intimate with you, deepen their relationship with you through prayer um, this summer, may you continue um, to do more than they could have thought or imagined. And God, and I'm excited and I'm looking forward to hearing all that you're going to be doing um, in and through this church as a result of their pursuit of you in deeper prayer. Um, We thank you for our time this morning and we ask that you would be faithful, that you would speak. You are always speaking, but God, I pray especially that you would give us ears to hear. Give us ears to hear and give us hearts that are willing to obey all that you call us to this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some things are easier said than done. Some things are easier said than done. Um, As you guys know, um, I'm originally from England, and when my wife and I moved here um, 12 years ago now, I, we soon realized how different America and England were. And we didn't know this before. We just thought we all speak the same language. Um, America basically came from England. Um, basically, it did. And, 
<laughs> and we just thought we were really similar because of similar languages. But the longer we were here, the um, longer we realized just how different we were. And one of the things we noticed early on that was different was that Americans cared more about teeth than Brits. All right? You guys love your teeth. You want really healthy, shiny teeth. And Brits, not so much, okay? I've been here for 12 years and I've got nice teeth, but if I was in England and I lived there, my teeth would be rotten, okay? They really would. <laughs> they really would. Uh, let me give you an example of this particular fact. Um, my wife, my family and I were back in England during COVID. We were kind of stuck there. And I thought while we were there, I'll take advantage of the healthcare. And so I started to have some tooth aches and so I went to our nearest dentist and they kind of said to me oh it's fine you know you're gonna be fine let's just put in some fillings and off you go kind of thing okay that's all they said okay um, we came back to America and I still had those aches they hadn't fixed it of course they hadn't and so I went to our American dentist and after going there he basically was like man your teeth are in really bad condition <laughs> really bad condition and you need this you need a filling but you don't only need that but we need to remove your wisdom teeth and so they removed my wisdom teeth and my teeth teeth are amazing now. And I tell you that story to say that I not only have nice teeth now, but when that experience happened and I was recovering from my wisdom teeth, I decided to become super healthy. I decided to become plant-based, okay? To become vegan and eat well. And the reason I did that was while I was recovering, I was drinking a lot of juices and I felt really good. I felt like I had more energy and I felt like I could do more as a result of eating better, okay? And so I became vegan, okay? That didn't last long. <laughs> Obviously didn't, because when I saw the ribs, when I saw the ribeye steak, I couldn't resist. Yes, he gets it. He's like, come on. I am no longer vegan, plant-based, vegetarian, whatever. If you are, kudos to you. You are doing a good job. And the reason I tell you this story is because I declared that I was going to be plant-based. And it was easier to say, but it was extremely hard to execute. And I would say this part of the Lord's Prayer kind of aligns with this truth. It seems way easier to declare your kingdom come, your will be done, than to actually live out this prayer. It's easier to declare, but sometimes hard to accept when it becomes a reality. As you know, the reference to God's kingdom can be found in the Lord's Prayer, and we shouldn't be surprised because um, the Bible talks a lot about the kingdom of God, okay? In fact, Jesus mentions the kingdom of God 28 different times in four Gospels. The subject of the kingdom of God was so important, Jesus said we should seek it first and pray for it to come. Seek it first and pray and petition 
to God for his kingdom to come. There are a ton of great books and a ton of good definitions out there for prayer, but I really, really honestly love how Tim defined it for this series. He defined prayer in this way. Prayer is the key that deepens our intimacy with God gives us a greater understanding of ourselves and supplies us with true power for change. That's prayer. And what that means is every time you engage in prayer, what's happening is that you are deepening your intimacy with God, right? You are gaining a greater understanding of who you are and you are being supplied with power to change. And this is exactly what this section, this part of the Lord's prayer does. Praying your kingdom come, your will be done, okay, deepens your intimacy with God, the creator of the universe, right? It will give you a greater understanding of who you are and it will supply you with true power for change. And so how does this verse, in verse in, your kingdom come, your will be done, how does it do this specifically? It does it in three ways, okay? It invites us to pray the Bible, all right? Um, It's a declaration of complete surrender, and it gives us a greater appreciation of Jesus. And so if you're making those first, to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is an invitation to pray the Bible, an invitation to pray the Bible. And so this section of the Lord's Prayer, if you look at it, is ultimately about God's will. It's ultimately about God's will, God's reign, his purposes being realized here on earth. And when we talk about God's will, we every so often discuss the mystery surrounding it. And this is true, doesn't it? Every time we have a conversation about God's will, we've got to talk about the fact that there is a mysterious element and component to it. Even though God's will may be veiled in mystery, the truth is, and I think um, the encouraging thing is, God has not completely hidden his intentions for our lives. Instead, God has made some of the things he wants for us abundantly clear. And if God has revealed his will for us, the question is, why do we pray for it? And the other question we have to ask is, why do we wrestle and struggle with God's will? And I would say that this is because we often want to know what he has chosen not to reveal to us. We often want to know what God, has not cho- um, what God has chosen not to reveal to us. When thinking about God's will, there's two main things to keep in mind, okay? God's revealed will for the present and God's concealed will for the future. And what's interesting is that we are more often, often we are more concerned about God's concealed will for the future rather than his revealed will for the present. But scripture teaches us to 
think the opposite, okay? Scripture strongly encourages us to live out God's revealed will here and now in the present rather than obsess over his concealed will for the future. Stick with me here, right? We're going, it's all going to be clear. A few verses after asking us to pray for God's will to come and for his will to be done, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 33. He says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Okay? Um, I, I, I get concerned about what to wear. Okay? Just thought I'd confess that. Moving on. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In other words, this is what Jesus is saying. Let go of your preoccupation with the future so that you can remain devoted to serving God and living a godly life right here, right now. And this way of life is achieved by knowing and obeying God's revealed will which can be found and which is contained in the Bible. In fact, this is what's happening. If we are preoccupied with God's concealed future will, if we're like obsessed with God, what's your will for my future? What's your will for my future? What's happening is that we are essentially praying for God's will to be done, then waiting for him to reveal it to us when he's already done so in his Bible. In other words, you're waiting for God to speak when he's already spoken to you in the Bible. The Bible contains pages and pages that communicate in great detail the will of God for your life. For example, it's God's will um, for you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Okay, another example, it's God's will for you to give thanks in all circumstances. God desires for you to ask him for wisdom because he gives generously to all. Um, God wants you to not be anxious about anything, but every time you're anxious, what he wants you to do is to pray and petition with thanksgiving and present your request to him. It's his will, it's God's will for you to confess your sins to him because if you do, he is faithful and just and will forgive you and purify you from all unrighteousness. God wants you to be generous. God wants you to care for the poor. And God wants you to live a life that brings him glory. This, there, these are just a few instances but the, but the point is that the Bible clearly reveals God's will for how you should live and relate to him. And this is exactly why praying for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done is an invitation to pray the Bible. 
the Bible is not only used for, for preaching and teaching and, you know, and defending the essentials of our Christian faith, but the Bible is also incredibly useful for prayer. As a pastor, whenever someone comes up to me and they say, hey, Obed, uh, I'm struggling in my prayer life. I I want more of a a passionate, radical prayer life, or I want to know God more, and I want to know, I want to learn how to pray. This is what I do. Um, I recommend two books, okay? One of them, right, is Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, okay? And the other is Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. Okay, and these two books, what they did for me is that they radically changed and shaped the way I pray. Um, I I used to and still struggle to be consistent in prayer, but after reading these books, I prayed more and had better times of prayer. And this is because these two books not only showed me the power of prayer, but they revealed to me the power of actually praying the Bible. Many Christians, including those of us who are pastors, would admit that our prayer habits are not as consistent or as vibrant as we would want them to be. And despite our best intentions, we often find that the discipline of daily prayer leads to frustration and guilt rather than freedom and joy. And so the question is why? Why does prayer, which is such a gift, become something we feel like we have to do even though we don't want to? And how is it that, in the words of Donald Whitney, can... In the words of Donald Wisney, can be talking, we can be talking to the most fascinating person in the universe about the most important things in our lives and be bored to death. Why? According to Donald Whitney, this is the reality because often what we do is that we rehearse the same worn out lines every time we go before the Lord. And he, and he goes on, Donald Whitney goes on to argue that the solution to a boring kind of lifeless, stale prayer life is to change, is a change in strategy that focuses on the content of the Bible. In other words, praying through a passage of scripture is a simple simple way to fight distractions and enhance your daily prayer life. And this is how it works. It's not complicated. It's super simple. Let me give you an example of how I do it. I love praying through Psalm 23. Okay, I open Psalm 23 and I read the first line. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I just say, God, you are my shepherd. And as a result of that, I have everything I need. You guide me, you provide for me, you protect me, right? And then if you go on some, the end of Psalm 23 is incredible. As I read and I get to the end, it says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And when I get there in my prayer time, I'm like, God, praise you. For real, goodness and mercy shall follow me. I can't escape goodness and mercy because of you and what you've done. Praise your name, God. Right? And that is it. So you can take any passage, any scripture. The Psalms are full of prayers. And we can utilize those prayers in our own prayer life as well. 
Daniel Henderson said this, by conviction and experience, I have concluded that the most creative and effective prayers spring from the inexhaustible treasury of the word of God. Thousands of times I have watched the Bible expose hearts, guide language, unite diverse interests, and create powerful moments of remarkable prayer impact. And praying the Bible doesn't just give us a lifetime of content to pray. But one of the best things about praying the Bible is that every time you pray the Bible, you are actually praying according to God's will. You really are. To pray your kingdom come and your will be done is an invitation to pray the Bible because there's no better way to discern God's will and to conform our prayers to his will. No better way. Donald Whitney says, since it is so important to pray in conformity with God's will, can you have any greater assurance than you are praying the will of God than when you are praying the word of God. And so Reality Ventura, Ventura, let me encourage you to adopt the practice of praying the Bible. Why? Because every time you crack the Bible open and you pray the scriptures, you're at the same time praying for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. To pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, is not just an invitation to pray the Bible, but second, it's also a declaration of surrender. A declaration of surrender. Kevin DeYoung, who's a pastor and Bible teacher, says the kingdom of God is the heavenly world breaking into our earthly existence. The kingdom of God is the heavenly world breaking into our earthly existence. And so when we, when we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, what we're doing is asking God to help us be faithful, obedient, authentic and effective Christians. To pray this prayer is another way of us saying, God, I want you to use me however you want. My life fully belongs to you. You are my king and I surrender to all of your ways here on earth. And so this part of the prayer is essentially a desire for God to reign in your life wherever he has you and whatever he has you doing. Is you totally surrendering and abandoning all that you are to the will and purposes of God. In other words, and listen carefully, to pray your kingdom come, your will be done, is to declare your absolute surrender to God's plans and purposes for your life, even if it goes against what you want. This is why I would say this prayer is so radical. We love it, don't we? 
we sing it, the t-shirts, coffee mugs. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And yes, we want God's purposes to, 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 to saturate this earth and our lives, but we often don't realize that when we pray this prayer, we are saying, Heavenly Father, I surrender to your plans and purposes for my life, even if they go against what I want. Because sometimes what God wants for you and what you want for yourself is different. It's not the same. Look, naturally, all right, we all naturally want a life of ease and comfort and success. Okay, and so when we're praying for God's will to be done and God's kingdom to come, his will to be done, look, I'm not thinking, God, make all hell break loose in my life. I'm not thinking that. I am thinking and wanting for a successful, comfortable, easy life. But the truth is we're not guaranteed this kind of life when we petition for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done. This prayer doesn't guarantee you'll marry young. It doesn't guarantee you'll be healthy. It doesn't guarantee you'll climb up the career ladder and become successful. Doesn't guarantee your new business venture will succeed. It doesn't guarantee you'll have kids who will grow up to love Jesus and follow him the way you do. It doesn't guarantee that the missionaries um, we're sending and supporting to advance the gospel will return safely. At times, God's sovereign will for us involves pain, hardship, and suffering. It just does. In 2018, uh, my family and I, along with 15 others, um, launched a church in the city of San Diego. It was awesome, just so awesome for um, God to have provided us with everything we needed. He provided us with the right people, the right connections, and he also provided us with a venue. Um, at that time, we were a new church, and an older church had decided to partner with us and allow us to share their venue, and so we were super excited about that. And I remember the night before um, our official launch we were praying and we were praying along the lines of God thank you for all that you've done you are a good God you are a great God and we pray that in and through our church your kingdom would come and your will be would be done in our church God has been faithful to us it's four years okay after we prayed that prayer it's been four years and we are thriving as a local church in San Diego. But from when we prayed that prayer, seven weeks later, that church that had agreed to allow us to use their venue turned their backs on us, stabbed us in the back and wanted us to get out. 
And the reason they wanted us to get out was because they were no longer willing to share their venue because they saw us as a threat. They were incredibly concerned with the building and they thought we were going to take over the building. It was hard. Seven weeks, just a few of us, we didn't have a venue, we didn't have anything. So I tell you that story to say that there are times when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, doesn't guarantee that everything will go smoothly. Because God's will and purposes often include tough times. In a gathering this large, it's possible that some of you are going through a difficult season in your relationships, at work, in your career, health. It could be so many things. Um, Psalm 88 stands out to me because I think it communicates um, what you're going through. It puts words to how you're feeling. And it reads, I'm overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I'm like one without strength. Are your wonders known in the place of darkness, you say? I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. And as I read that, some of you are like, that describes how I'm feeling and what I'm going through. There are so many reasons God allows suffering in our lives. It's hard to know. It really is. And this is what makes praying for his will to be done in our lives such a radical prayer. It's a prayer of absolute surrender to whatever God allows in our life or wants from our lives. And so, if this is the case, how can you boldly pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done and gladly surrender to it whatever happens? Um, how can we do that? And that's what we're going to move on to next. And so to pray your kingdom come, your will be done is not only an invitation to pray the Bible or a declaration of surrender to God. But lastly, this prayer, right? This prayer gives us a greater appreciation for Jesus. Do you know why? Let's go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus um, 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 enters the Garden of Gethsemane and says to his disciples, I want you to sit here while I go over there and pray. In the garden, what happened was Jesus retreated to a place of solitude. Soon after entering the garden, he became distressed and opened up to his disciples about his struggles. This is what he said. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. 
That's what Jesus said. He also instructed his disciples to stay up and keep watch. And so what Jesus did was he retreated again to a private part of the garden. There he knelt with his face to the ground and he prayed, quote, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus then returned to his disciples, and what did he find? He found them sleeping, right? And I love this story because we read that and we're like, how can we fall asleep when Jesus has asked us to pray? Really? I fall asleep often when I'm praying. And I know I would have probably done the same. And so Jesus returned to his disciples. He's like, why are you sleeping? Jesus asked them, watch and pray. Don't fall into temptation. And so again, Jesus goes and for the second time he prays, my father, if it's not possible for this cup of suffering to be taken unless I drink it, may your will be done. Jesus returned, found his disciples sleeping again. Third time he goes away, prays the same thing. He goes back to his disciples. This time he wakes them up and says to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is being delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Who was his betrayer? Judas. Judas soon betrays Jesus. Jesus is arrested, taken to the highest court of justice in Jerusalem. And before them, this is what Jesus does. He declares that I'm not this, just this carpenter of, or, or this prophet, but I am actually the promised Messiah, the son of the living God. You know what Jesus meant when he said those things? He said, I am God in human human flesh that's what he meant they heard this and they were like you are blaspheming and as a response they spit in his face slapped him struck him with their fists and sentenced him sentenced him to death death by crucifixion a few hours later, Jesus had to carry his own cross to the place where he would be crucified. After a few hours on the cross, Jesus cries out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And with these words, Jesus breathed his last. He was taken down from the cross, buried in a nearby tomb. These are historical facts, y'all. All right, historical fact. Jesus was buried in a nearby tomb, but three days later, he rose from the grave and appeared to his disciples and commissioned them to go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus Christ, who exhorted us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, demonstrated what it looks like to completely surrender to God's will. He not only told us to pray, but he actually demonstrated it and illustrated it with his life. 
I love what Tim Keller says. He says, Jesus is not asking us to do anything for him that he hasn't already done for us. The life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that is the finished work of Jesus on our behalf is the reason why you can boldly invite and welcome God's will to be done in your life and have confidence knowing that in the end, it will all work out for your good and his glory no matter what happens. Jesus' demonstration of complete surrender should empower us to do the same, should empower us to surrender. This is why, this is why. Because of what he's done, we should be empowered because it reminds us that it's not about what we want and it's not about what we want, but it becomes more about what we have. When we look at Jesus and we look at what he's done, we can do the same. And we can say, it doesn't matter what I want, because we have all that we need in Christ. If you're here and you're like, look, I'm not, I'm not a Christian. I'm showed up. A friend of mine tricked me and said, you should come to this place. There's free donuts. And there's this guy with dreadlocks that sings really well. And they could be a British guy from America's finest city. <laughs> you should come. You're like, what am I doing here? What am I hearing? I know the prayer, um, your kingdom come, your, oh, I know that one, but gosh, like I'm being taught that we can pray scripture and we should surrender to God. And so if you are here and you are not a Christian or you're new to Christian, I want you to consider this, right? I want you to consider this. What is God's will for your life? How does the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, relate to you? 2 Peter 3 verse 9 provides us with an incredible answer. Listen to what it says, all right? Listen to what it says. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. My goodness, God is not slow in keeping his promise. That means God is fast when it comes to keeping his promise, okay? As some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That is what God desires for you. God desires for you to come to repentance. In other words, God's will for you is to stop living for yourself and start living for him. God's will for you is that you would experience a relationship with him, with him. He is the creator of the universe and he desires to relate to you in a way that will leave you in awe.
So if you're here and you're not a Christian, let me urge you. You are not here by random occurrence. You are here because God in his love and care for you wants you to hear that he desires, he wills, he wants you to experience a deep and everlasting relationship with him. And so don't leave here without making an informed decision to commit your life to Jesus. And as a result, you will be in an everlasting relationship with God, the creator of the universe. And so Reality Church of Ventura, may you Commit to pray in the Bible because when you pray the Bible, you are actually praying for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done. May you surrender to God's will for your life no matter what it is. And may you recognize that Jesus Christ, his demonstration, his example of what it means to surrender to God's will is what will empower you to do the same. It's what will empower you to say, it doesn't matter what I want. And the reason you can say that is because you will realize that you have all that you need because of Christ. Let's pray. God, there is nothing that's better than you nothing that's better than you and so God as we pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done I, I, I pray that with excitement and we pray that with excitement knowing that your will is being accomplished we're seeing it and experiencing it and but God it might not always come about the way we want it to and so God when that happens I pray that we would gladly surrender and that you would fix our eyes on Jesus and give us more understanding of who he is and what he's accomplished for us and as a result God may we gladly surrender and may we be content and satisfied in him because that's all that matters thank you in Jesus name we pray amen